An estimated 25% of American households agree having a cat in the house is perfect. And while having one cat is great, having two cats is even better. Today's podcast guest will be sharing with us tips and tricks for successfully adding a new cat to your family where one or more cats already reside. That's today on the Family Pet Podcast. Welcome into the Family Pet Podcast, the podcast for curious pet parents, where we believe the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. I'm your host, Michael Shirley, joined by my co-host, Stephen. Welcome in, brother. Hello, hello. I so, thought I'd be nice to you. I didn't say anything that's, mean. That's so very nice. I'm but so the episode's excited. episode's not about, over yet. I'm so excited about this episode. Why are you so excited about this episode? I We have one of my favorite guests that we've had in season one back for season two and i'm just really really excited you're this is uh today well go ahead steven you set it up so the this guest last joined us uh july of last year yeah in episode, episode 22 episode 22 and today is episode 53 and uh it's so been too long it has <laughs> it's been, been too, long. too long we need to, we need to we need to get this this guest on a rotation like every six weeks she's back <laughs> I don't know if you commit think, to that. I think some of our, I think some of our our listeners would really appreciate that. I think but. so. It, 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 she does help add credibility to our podcast. <laughs> All right, Stephen, who do we have with us today? We have our friend uh, Pam Johnson Bennett back in cat, and cat behavior consultant extraordinaire. That's it. Award winning author. An excellent podcast guest. Just fantastic guest. We learned a lot. I will, Pam. Well, well, first, welcome in. I, I, I just <laughs> want to take you two with me everywhere. <laughs> we're good. We're good hype guys, right? Well, we appreciate you being back with us. I want to to share with you a little bit of growth. So that this is the podcast for the curious pet parents to help people be better pet parents. And you said something to us last episode, last year, almost you know, well, back in July of last year. I referred to myself as a dog person, and you you offered me guidance that I just hadn't given the cats a chance, right? Like like that, yes. yes. And so I quit referring to people as dog people and cat people. And I've actually been when people say that about themselves, I say, well, you just haven't met the right of the other species. Um, and so I just wanted you to know that I am a better. I appreciate that, yeah. and you know, it is it's fine to prefer a dog in your life or prefer a cat in your life, but especially now everyone's so divided let's mm-hmm. yeah, this right. is the one thing we could all unite around is we all love animals mm-hmm. so let's not create that you know a divide where there doesn't have to be that's right but pam we're here you're going to talk to us today about some challenges of of a multi-cat household so if so let's just start by saying that maybe someone out there is listening and i think we referenced this in your first episode where you said one cat is great, but don't think of cats as low maintenance. Don't think of them as not needing as much attention because that's a pretty miserable life for a cat. And that's a very common thing that people do right. is they think, well, I don't have time for a dog. I'm going to get a cat. And then they wonder why the relationship suffers is because you didn't put anything into it. Mm-hmm. And one, I think that one suggestion you had was that two cats in a household is better than one. So let's say that a curious pet parent was listening to us last year and they've been thinking on this for the past nine months or so here. And they have decided, you know what? I think they're right. I, I am going to add another cat to our house. What do they, where do they need to start with this? Well, first 
you want to find if you have the luxury unless you're rescuing cats you know and it's like okay these are the cats i you know i want to take because you know i'm saving their lives you can usually go to the shelter or a rescue and find a bonded pair already and having two cats is it may seem like oh i don't have the money it's going to be too expensive but once you get through kittenhood in terms of all the the initial vaccinations and deworming and everything there the expense is not any greater for two cats than it is for one and they learn from each other you know things that you can't teach as a human there's a communication cat to cat that they learn from each other they are wonderful companions for each other because we're gone even if you you know only work part time you're still gone and they have each other for companionship and we make the mistake of thinking cats are solitary and they're not they're solitary hunters because they're small predators and they only hunt prey large enough for one meal but they have a social structure mm -hmm. so imagine getting just one cat who may be would really benefit from having a companion. Now, that doesn't mean every cat should have a companion because they're like people. Some people don't want to live with somebody else, right. you know. So uh, having two cats is, oh, my gosh, The just think of twice the love, twice the fun, you know, that you'll have. Um, the only thing I would just keep this little thing this thought in your head when you when you go out looking for two cats or you are considering let's say you have one cat and you're considering a second cat is you are picking this companion mm. unless they're already a bonded pair they didn't make that choice so you have to use a lot of patience and a lot of grace when you're doing the introduction you can't just put them together and go okay be friends it's that's not fair all right, you, you've used the phrase twice now, and, and I, I want to understand it a little bit better before we move further. Bonded pair. What, what, do, what do you mean by that? Uh, it could be cats that came into the shelter that were already in a household established, and they had a relationship. It could be siblings. It could be cats at a shelter who have formed a relationship. A lot of times shelters will create groups. You know, they'll have communal groups and, and they're trying to create more of a social environment for cats. And there will be two that will be, you know, really closely bonded. And to separate them can be very tragic and very sad because they'll grieve the loss of, of each other. So a bonded pair is great. Or if you don't have a bonded pair, but you know you want two cats, try to find cats who have complementary personalities. A lot of times people make that mistake and they go the opposite ends. You know, they have a cat who's a real couch potato. And so they think, well, I'm going to get a, a really energetic, take charge kind of cat. And that doesn't work out it because just annoys the couch potato. Exactly. Right. Right. It sounds like it sounds and like Maverick and Gracie. Right. So you want complementary personalities. So just think of you know you're you're really matchmaking. Right. You it's know, an arranged so, marriage. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And you owe it to if you have a resident cat already, you owe it to that cat to find the best companion that you can, and to do a very gentle, positive correct introduction let's talk about the introduction process then i think that that's really important let's let's assume that we are talking to a pet parent out there that has an established cat at home and has decided to bring home another cat do they just add another litter box and turn the cats loose together or you said gentle 
introduction. So tell us, tell us what you mean by gentle introduction. How do we, how do we make this arranged uh, relationship work out? Well, cats are, as I said, they have a social structure, but their sociability is built around resource availability. So the reason why cats hang out at restaurants or where uh, feral cats will hang out in communities where they're being fed is because there's enough resources for everybody. So the first thing with your resident cat is this new cat comes in and the resident cat thinks, oh my gosh, I have to worry about my food, my bed, my litter box. You know, even the the cat parent is definitely... um, the cat parent is a resource. So you want to make oh. sure that that you have to respect the fact that the resident cat has concerns. And also the newcomer is basically dropped across enemy lines. It's like totally unfamiliar, hostile territory. I don't have anything that's mine. So you want to put the newcomer in a separate room. I call it a sanctuary room just so he can take a breath and get his bearings, start to get familiar and establish some sense of territory in this small environment. And then you introduce them in very short segments, and it's basically bribery. (laughs) It's really just bringing them together for treats, for brief exposure, so that they're basically seeing, hey, you know, I, I don't know who you are. I'm not even sure I like you, but I get good things when you're around. And then that session ends before anything negative can happen. So I, I will say the biggest mistake I see, and it's what keeps me in business, is people rush the introduction. So how long does that t- – I'm just thinking about my house. If we were to bring home a new cat, would we choose the hallway bathroom that's kind of an interior room of, or, the, or my office or an extra Any bedroom? Any room that you can close off, um, either a guest room, you know, a bathroom if that's the only room, but what should be in that room are – all the resources that cat needs, you know, the litter box, the food bowl, you know, the water bowl, scratching posts, some toys, but also some places to hide. Mm. So that cat can kind of just tuck away somewhere and gradually get comfortable with the environment. You know, you don't want the cat just hiding under the bed, for example, if it's a guest room, because that's the only place to hide. So what I do, especially if it's a frightened cat, is I'll take boxes and bags and I'll cut the bottoms out and make tunnels. So I can create tunnels from, let's say, under the bed to the litter box or from the closet to the food bowl so the cat can feel somewhat protected. Are we looking for signs that the cat is – how do we know when the cat is ready to meet the resident cat? The new how, how do we know when to let the new cat meet the resident cat? When the new cat is not hiding and is engaging in normal activities, is you know, comfortable eating, using the litter box, and has bonded a little bit with you. You mm-hmm. know, if the cat dives under the bed when you walk in the room, you're not going to be a source of comfort for that right. cat. So you want to start that process. And uh-huh. is is it fair to say that that time length will be different for every cat? It will be different. It's based on did you adopt a frightened cat who, you know, has been through a trauma? You know, maybe it's a cat you adopted from the shelter who lived with someone for 10 years and then that that owner passed away. So this cat has a whole bunch of a whole bunch of baggage, you know, is grieving. Right. Or it might be, you know, a young cat from the shelter or maybe, you know, a cat who was hanging around the neighborhood who's totally comfortable and that cat may be ready to go and do the introduction right away. I always advise clients to go at the pace of the most stressed out cat. So if your newcomer is ready to go, but your resident isn't, then you go at the pace of the resident. And so you had also said 
to stop the introduction before it deteriorates or <laughs> right. um so end it where they what is it leave it leave them always wanting more exactly you end it on a positive note it's better to do uh 10 sessions a day that only last 30 seconds that you can end on a positive note rather than oh they're doing great for five minutes and then you decide to leave them out for an hour and something negative happens i always want their memory when when the resident when the newcomer goes back into the sanctuary room and the resident goes about their day to be positive you know neutral or positive so at this point uh, as a as a listener may be saying okay wait that sounds like a lot more work than i was thinking I thought I would just be able to introduce these two cats. And Ten minutes later, they'd be buddies. Yeah, yeah. they would be great. So every situation's different, but for someone who's bringing a new cat in, is there a time frame that they should at least be considering? I would say, uh, I hate to give this because yeah, it's, no, it's like because someone will say, "No, no, Pam said it was a week right. or two weeks." You know, I've had clients who called me up and said they were best friends after three days and i have clients who it takes three months you know so it really depends on each individual cat it is the time that you spend with the cats together just a short short time whether it's that they're getting fed together but not close together it's kind of like you know i have in in my book cat versus cat i have it all broken down so that, okay, this is session one. This is the first phase. When that's going well, this is the second phase. So it's it's basically just short exposure, positive, whatever works for your cats. If it's playtime, if it's treats, if it's feeding them within each side of, you know, within side of each other, it's basically forming positive associations and having them end before anything negative happens. For, just, you know, it's like there you yeah. could be feeding them and maybe, you know, one's on one side of the room, one's on the other and they're getting this absolutely delicious food and you let it go too long, one cat finishes and starts staring the other cat down. Right. Well, then we have a negative. So, yep. you always just end it before you think you need to. I remember when Dr. Shirley got uh, her cat Boomer that's on our Family Pet Health logo um, when she got Dinky while she was in vet school I remember the introductions between them and like the first time that they saw each other they both poof, they poofed up right. like, like like and it was you know like oh my goodness but and then they would circle and I, we probably didn't do it right it sounds like but we so how if you let the res let's say that your resident cat seems to like have gone over and sniffed at the door um, where the new cat is and the new cat's fine it's coming out it's sitting in your lap when you go in the room do you just open that door and let them come let the new cat come out into the space where the resident cat I is do it, or? i do it a sense at a time okay. i i take uh, something I'll, I'll take a sock and i put it on my hand and i rub the new cat down around the mouth to get the the nice facial pheromones oh, yep, yep. the friendly pheromones mm-hmm. And then I drop that sock in my resident cat's territory in a neutral area, not near their bed, not near the litter box of the food. And then I take the other sock and I rub the resident cat down and I put that in the newcomer's territory so that they start to get to know each other's scent. And what I do is I will reward for any neutral or positive interaction. So let's say the resident cat goes over to the sock, sniffs it and goes, eh, big deal and walks away. I give treats, I reward. Uh, if the cat rubs up against it, I give treats and reward. 
if the cat hisses and growls and puffs up and you know tries to tear the sock apart i don't do anything that gives me valuable information right it's if not ready what, for the introduction then yeah. i think okay this isn't going to be a record-setting introduction <laughs> <laughs> you know and then you know i start i put treats near the sock so that the cats start making an association that okay here's a strange smell but here's something positive you know and then then we get to the point where we do a little exchange, like I'll put the resident cat in a separate room and I'll let the newcomer come out okay. to start to get to know the territory. Right. And, but then not only is that cat getting to know the territory, he's leaving his scent around mm-hmm. too. So it's all just very gradual, a scent at a time. And you talked about, you know, it, it taking so long or being so complicated because cats are territorial. You have to do more work on the front end, let's say, than you would have to do for a dog. But it is so worth it. The, I'm telling you that the emails with the pictures that I get from clients with these cats who are laying on the bed together, inseparable, <laughs> that it, all that, you know, whether it's two weeks or a month of work that the, the client did is all forgotten because they, they're just seeing their cats being so happy. That's fantastic. So focus on that. And then once they get there, do you, do you continue to do things after they've become bonded at this point? They become a, a, a household. Are there things that you then continue doing to, to keep sh- that relationship going? That, strengthen that bond? Well, you want to make sure that you have now increased resources because if you've gone from one cat to two or more, you know, it may mean, you know, more litter boxes strategically placed. Let's not line litter boxes up in one room. Um, you know, more, let's say, cat trees or perches or places that you, know, you want to make sure everyone has personal territory, and that's important. Uh, so it's just realizing that you need to increase. You know, maybe the cats, uh, you have one cat who had a food bowl in the kitchen, and maybe your cats are great, they're bonded, but they don't want to share a food bowl. So you make sure that they each have their own food bowl, either in the same room, or maybe you find that they get along great, but maybe when it's mealtime, there's a little, you know, trouble. So we have to feed them separately. It's it's a fluid relationship. It's it's like any relationship. You're going to have to tweak it as you go. Stephen, your son Jordan took your advice after you had talked to Pam before. Yeah, Jordan and, and his wife Maddie had adopted a cat from the clinic that had come in that we had found astray, and then. They had that cat for a couple of months, and we said, "Hey, well, wouldn't it wouldn't it give him some bad behavior?" It was. Okay. He was a biter. Uh, he was an, an aggressive biter and in play, but biting. And you had I had talked with you, and you were like, "Get a second cat that that helps." <laughs> now I don't know how their introduction <laughs> not, went. Yeah. We didn't handle that part, but they got uh, so they had Charlie, and they got Murphy, and now Charlie's behavior. Uh, problems are are so much less. They're yeah. they're gone. so. What's up with that? How did that magic second cat fix the first cat's quote unquote problems or behavior issues? problems? Yeah. Well, a lot of the biting and the aggressive biting, which probably was just very enthusiastic play, was that the cat didn't know how to communicate that he, that he wanted to play and he wasn't getting enough play time, maybe. Uh, and so, cat to cat communication. They had, they probably share the same energy level and they have a play relationship that, that works out. And probably the other cat, the non-biter, if your one cat started biting, that other cat 
cor- let him know. Okay. That's, correct. That's, was, that's think, not how we play. I think Murphy gave him a couple of face swats. Yeah. Of I watch our two cats wrestle. They wrestle, and uh, they'll like get each other in a headlock and then use their back legs to like do the bunny yeah, kick. Yeah, bunny yeah. kick. And I'm like, how are they? But they don't pull their claws out when they're doing that. They're so they're playing, but being nice yeah, about and, it. And there's, uh, I get a lot of emails from people asking me, how do I know that my cats are playing or fighting? Right. You know, because sometimes cat play can look pretty aggressive and they're for the most part if you're not seeing growling and if they're taking turns being the aggressor it's not one always chasing the other uh then it's probably play you know if you're hearing growling and you know hair is puffed up and there's a sometimes there's a little hissing in play just because someone gets startled but uh for the most part it should look just like they're taking turns and and it's, it's even the taking turns so it's taking not turns. one consistently being the bully right okay and sometimes it can start out as play but because cats don't have an official <laughs> play solicitation the way dogs do you know we associate like the play, play bow and stuff yeah. cats don't have that and especially if they didn't share you know they're not litter mates so they didn't grow up learning from each other sometimes one cat can be well i don't know how to ask you if i want play do i roll over do i come over and bite you and so they're trying to play but the other cat is misunderstanding that so again it's a fluid relationship they have to form a communication just like we do you know when we get into relationships you know we there are a lot of miscues in relationships. Oh yeah, especially mine. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, well, we appreciate you joining us again. Are there anything, any big issues that we didn't cover that maybe we should talk a little bit about about multi-cat, or can I just can we just point them to cat versus cat? Cat versus cat have it, but I, w- I would say two words: don't punish. Don't punish any behavior that you see that you don't like. It's because the cats are afraid. They're trying to figure it out. Find out what the cause is. Don't punish. That'll ruin the relationship. Multi-cat households, for, for anyone out there that has one cat and is thinking about two, I, I'll give you my anecdotal evidence as well. It We've had two pairs of bonded cats in our house now, and I can't imagine one without the other. You know, it, it is the best to open the door and see them in the dog bed curled up together it warms your heart, yeah you're like it? oh they yeah. are they're brothers just like steven and me we don't hug no like we that. don't <laughs> there's no snuggling going on oh <laughs> uh, well um well pam thank you again for joining us will you come back again i sure will uh, thank you we love having you on the show and um that brings us to our fun fact of the day do you have a fun fact that you can share with our curious pet parents something that would help them win trivia night at the local pub or, or impress their at family least impress their friends and family at dinner oh good gosh um well i would say maybe do people really understand why cats need a lot of people you know when they do what they call making biscuits oh yeah the needing uh, yeah people are or head bunting you know when they they butt their head up against people and that's a good trivia thing people call it head butting and it's not. It's called bunting with an N, B-U-N-T-I-N-G. Uh, and people label it as, oh, the cat's marking you. The cat's making you his territory. And that's not true. It's an affiliative behavior. It's a socializing behavior. It's it's affection. And people misread that. And, and sometimes people even push the cat away when they do that. And that's just, oh. That they're trying to tell you that they love you. They love you. And they're trying to 
mix their scent with yours, and it's just such a sweet behavior. So head head bunting. bunting. It's the pheromone that we use. Feel away exactly. It's uh, yes. at at, uh, at our office. We're a fear free certified clinic. Every cat that comes in for an appointment, we spray feel away on a fleece blanket, and then we put that either over their carrier when they're in the room to help them acclimate, or we'll set that out um, on the exam room table, and that's what they. And um, that's they it's like to. a an olfactory hug. Yep. Oh, they're giving you a warm hug. <laughs> That's what come, what, Which one comes up and does that to me? I'm allergic so, to so, the Sebastian. Cat. Sebastian yeah. loves to headbunt me. He knows that over. Stephen does, isn't a cat person. We talked about that last time, I think. Well, I'm allergic. Or, and, yeah. Oh, and, I said it. I just said it. I'm sorry. They know that Stephen. I love watching them play. Yeah, that's I, right. <laughs> I enjoy the cats. I just can't play with them because... He gets My, emotional. He yeah, starts yeah. to cry. I, I'm so he, emotional. He'll tell you that it's his allergies, but he's really touched by the cat's love. Pam, thank you again for joining us on this episode of the Family Pet Podcast. We hope that all of you curious pet parents out there have learned something new about facilitating the introduction of a second cat to your home. Uh, and just consider it if you have any questions. Pam, where can they find you on social media? On Facebook, it's Pam Johnson Bennett, and on Instagram, Think Like a Cat. All right. Until next time, stay curious. The Family Pet Podcast is a podcast for curious pet parents, where we believe the more you know about pet health care, the better pet parent you can be. The Family Pet Podcast is a production of Family Pet Health, PLLC, and is recorded in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The statements made as a part of this show should not be taken as an establishment of any form of a veterinary client-patient relationship. All comments are for entertainment and educational purposes only, and you should reach out to your local veterinary partner before taking any action on anything that you've heard here today. We hope that you will share this podcast with a friend, and it would mean so much to us if you would take a moment to leave a review and follow wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Show notes, links, and videos to accompany today's show can be found at thefamilypetpodcast.com.